You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guest works as an event planner, though before this, she was with the Victorian and Federal Police as an intelligence profiler. Kathy Edwards also worked as a fraud investigator and security consultant. Let's hear more about her career. Welcome to the show, Kathy. How are you, Kathy? Great. Thank you very much for having me on today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I, I'm absolutely fascinated by what, by what you do. I've got a, a small secret obsession with all police work and investigation stuff. I am absolutely obsessed with it. It's quite scary. <laughs> well, yeah, it is a very interesting and very varied field. Yeah, definitely. So how did you get into the police force? Yeah, look, I always wanted and I was always interested in the police force, but at the time I was too young. Uh, Victoria Police had an age restriction Um, So you couldn't come straight from high school into the police force. You had to have some life experience. So I actually went um, and worked for Channel 10 for Neighbours on their catering (laughs) uh, for quite a while, which was was, uh, very eye-opening to a young girl. But I was made redundant um, and I was sitting back at home trying to work out what other skills I had as a young girl. And in high school, we all learned how to type. So um, I thought I could go and get a job as a typist and it was one of these temp jobs as a typist. I saw an internal government magazine on their lunch table uh, advertising the position and telling me everything about it and that's how I started. That's amazing. And what exactly is an intelligence profiler? Um, Basically, intelligence profiler, we provide timely um, and very relevant high-quality um, actionable intelligence and information which gets used in all levels in all levels basically of decision making um, this uh, information has been put through a variety um, of different sources and in order to assess the validity basically of the information and we turn it into intelligence then um, but it's not so it's not just law enforcement agencies that use it um, also military um, and large corporations, et cetera, use, you know, use the information and in our intelligence officers. Um, and I was very lucky at the time that I joined the police force, so I was actually used as a pool resource rather than going to just kind of one squad. Mm. Um, so it's like um, if you know Criminal Minds where... Yeah. yeah <laughs> the TV show where uh, you have a group of people and they all jump on a plane and, and go to solve a, you know, a serial kind of case. Uh, without all the bells and whistles, that's what it was like. It was a whole group of people put together in a mix um, and I was in the middle kind of thing to sort everything out, all the information and help help them with the investigations. Um, so I did basic, yeah, basic training was at detective training school, but I actually did distance learning um, through a mentor uh, through Sydney University and there was a mentor then uh, in the home office actually was in, in England in MI5 um i used to go through my assessments and (laughs) crucify them and send them back again so it's so amazing i'm I'm absolutely fascinated by it all i actually would have loved to have been sort of a criminal psychologist or something like that it's just i I don't know why but the the whole thing just absolutely fascinates me my husband actually gets quite annoyed at me because all i watch are you know real life murder investigation shows and you know criminal shows and and shows about serial killers and he thinks like he goes should i be worried and i'm like no i'm trying to work out why they are doing it and who they are i don't want to be (laughs) one (laughs) it's hilarious 
Now, I know there are restrictions on what you can talk about. Well, but what about uh, what are some of the stories you can tell? Yeah, well, I just I just briefly touched on there that I was used as a pool resource, which is something that was quite new to Victoria Police. The command structure had just changed. Um, instead of me being assigned to one squad like homicide squad or organised crime, um, I was able to work with all the different squads. So in my career life in the police force, I was very lucky to have worked with majority of the squads. So I did things like um, abalone poaching. Um, you also get a chance to work with um, cross agencies. So I got a chance to work with wildlife and fisheries um, and with the detectives on abalone poaching. Yeah. And what was very interesting from that is they had actually um, photocopied and sent me through a notebook which had been recovered from um, one of the main offenders. And from that note notebook, um, I was able to gather information and intelligence and find out that these, these offenders were actually wanted in a couple of different countries. Um, so that was actually really rewarding for me. I also worked things like the World Economic Forum, um, and that was uh, in 2000 where our command post was actually at the casino. And my job was a part of a team was to get the delegates safely actually into the, the casino itself. Um, and I was on a, a fairly relatively new team called the Geographic Mapping Team. And what the Geographic Mapping Team did is we would utilise um, a database and all serial offenders would have certain patterns and we would map these certain patterns and these certain behaviours and that would give us an insight into who we were looking for. But in this case, for the World Economic Forum, um, I, was, I was at the command post itself at the casino, had an amazing uh, team back at St Kilda Road and we would a lot have live stream of everything that was happening um, at the time around the casino or anything that could impact our delegates coming in. Um, we had um, the Premier Steve Bracks pop in oh. and he, he was very interested and he'd actually, I was on the phone at the, at the time to my senior sergeant saying, okay, I'd, I'd like to add this certain thing on, on our on our geographic mapping to show the command, um, how do I do it? So I had my senior sergeant on the phone at the time and the Premier came in. I noticed him looking at what I was doing to come over and talk. And I said to my senior sergeant, I said, oh, and I know there's all protocols, how to talk to him. I said, oh, how do I address him? What do I say? You know? <laughs> um, so he, he came over and um, I said, oh, yes, and I ended up calling him sir. Um, and went through and went through kind of everything to do with the geographic mapping. And then when he walked away, I said to my boss, oh, how did I go? Um, and of course he'd done the he'd done the thing and put me on speaker. So I had the inspector and everyone from the yeah. whole office yeah. listening in. And he said, Did you realise you just asked the premier for a coffee? Come <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> for a coffee and, I, and I'll show you my office. <clears throat> so I did things like that. Um, we got called to a house that we thought was drug dealing and when we actually got into the house we'd seen a whole lot of mattresses on the floor and we realised that it wasn't drug dealing, it was actually people smuggling. Oh, um, I then, yeah, I then got uh, the immigration. I did a cross-task um, cross force with them and over the next couple of months we worked really hard to find these, these people and it turned out it was a group of young ladies 
um, and through different means they've made their way to Australia, um, but they've actually been held here. Um, they, they originally thought they were coming for hospitality industry jobs and they've been held here as prostitutes. So that was kind of rewarding to be able to, you know, yeah. find that and, and send them back home. Um, but there's, it's all it's all the tiny little things. Like I actually found um, two methamphetamines labs just from um, the one of the target offenders sending his mail to a post box. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he was a businessman at the time and I was wondering why, if he had a solicitor, why legal documents were going to a post office address. Yeah. And that's how yeah. I ended up backtracking and finding two, two methamphetamine labs. Um, yeah, so there's, there's a lot of different things, I suppose, that I did. Um, I was designated to look after a new system um, which looked into reports relating to the movement of large sums of money um, and I roughly average about 100 a week um, from everywhere, banks, etc. anything that looked in suspicious. Um, and that's why I kind of, you know, loved loved the fraud side of things in the fraud industry. Um, a couple of things we, we get from, uh, I got one, one funny job from a real estate agent um, who actually rang me and he said, the owners here with him were actually missing a room. Oh. And I said, what do you mean you're missing a room? He said, we've been looking after this uh, this property for a few years now and the owner had come to do some renovations and realised he, he was missing a room. Oh. And what these, um, these tenants had done is they'd actually, the doorway to a third bedroom, they'd actually put a wall up and behind there they had a, a fantastic hydroponics lab Oh um, and the entrance was through uh, <laughs> through a wardrobe in a, in another room. Oh my so God. some things like that we stumble over. <laughs> it's amazing the the efforts people will go to. <laughs> oh, it is yes. <laughs> um, and some you get um, you work with interstate um, police officers. Um, there was one where I was. Um, the liaison officer for a homicide and um, or abduction of homicide of two backpackers, and they'd sent um, I'd sent out to all the different detectives and all the different criminal units the particulars of this case and asked them if there was anybody that they felt was relevant that we should be looking at for this crime. Um, and there was one gentleman in particular that a detective had said, you know, he kind of fits everything you're looking for. Um, we d he didn't end up being the offender for the homicides and the abduction in New South Wales, but I found out that he was actually, um, he was a registered sex offender and he was working as a handyman in a kindergarten. Oh, um, so that information I was able to, to pass on to the Sexual Offences and Crime Abuse Unit. Um, so that was fantastic to kind of get him off the street and away from the kids again. If you like your beauty products to stand out, look a little different and smell amazing, then I'm pretty sure you should check out Sugar Monster. Brand new and completely Adelaide-based, Sugar Monster scrubs are natural body products with a quirky style to them. You'll have to see to know why. All completely handmade, vegan and cruelty-free with skin-loving ingredients that your body will love. Plus, they smell good enough to eat. But don't actually do that. Check out the range at sugarmonster.com.au and support local business. So, Cathy, how did you start as a fraud investigator? Um, I actually was my last task force with Victoria Police. 
I was working with um, an international a corporate company and I was having trouble with um, information leaking from that company to a couple of my targets. So I was working very closely with their security advisors. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the task force, they actually offered me a position. So it was as their security advisor and a fraud investigator or um, analyst as well, they used to call them. Um, and when I, when I first started with them, they hand me a file. And um, this file was a $5 million loss, product loss, oh. which shows how significant the fraud was kind of thing in their company. So basically what they were trying to do is they were rushing products onto the marketplace before their competitors, which was great, but they hadn't put processes and uh, procedures into place to make sure it wasn't being targeted by organised crime. Um, and, and of course, this, this product was... Um, the funny thing was I brought down the whole uh, organised crime syndicate by a fax machine. <laughs> so what had happened is um, one of the targets has decided to put through an order for this product, a very, very large order, through a tiny little rural fax machine and a news agent. And um, I, got, I was having a look through all the orders and I realised that it had come where it had come from and I thought, well, why on earth would... A news agent, they would no, never sell as much product as this, let alone the whole town, mm. let alone three or four towns. And that's how, um, how that's how I ended up backtracking them and finding out who they were. But also that got me started. Um, this uh, this company also had major assets and infrastructure all around Australia, and they sent me around uh, with a team to. Or any infrastructure that would be really crippled um, if security was breached and someone had the intention of bringing down that infrastructure. Um, so then security procedures had to be developed and in- implemented and that was something that was quite new to me and it was, it, was quite, it was quite easy getting into some of our main infrastructures at the time. Mm. Um, once, of course, we'd implemented and the security that we needed, this all, this all changed. Um, and I ended up um, starting up a fraud investigations unit and basically teaching a lot of the senior management how to detect fraud and, and what to do. So it was a very interesting time in my life. Yeah, that would have been. Now, I know you still work as a security consultant. Do you feel the security sector field has changed over the years? Definitely dramatically changed. Um Starting, I suppose, from the security officers themselves, they're screened um, a lot more rigorously than than they were before. Um, The licences are a lot more harder to get now than they used to be. Um, You know, we do a national criminal records check and fingerprints check and and all that kind of thing. Um, And there's a lot more mature age. I I tend to work with a lot more mature age um, people, ex-military, ex-police or really decent, you know, family guys kind of thing of mature age that have had a career somewhere else and come across the security industry. Um, Their communication skills are very high um, and they've got life experiences so they're able to deal with certain situations and relate to people in a lot lot better way than it kind of used to be. Mm. Um, The drug scene, I suppose, um, has changed a lot 
compared to what we used to have to deal with, as well as unfortunately um, some people carrying carrying knives and things like that. Um, so when you think of like I work predominantly events and festivals, the workforce there is very transient and usually very young in their twenties. So we're looking at university students and backpackers and things of that nature. So a lot of the incidents that happen, they're not trained for and, you know, security's usually the one that's been regularly there at that venue or has worked festivals before and they've had to deal with the situation. So our training is a lot more higher than it used to be. Um, also around Melbourne, a lot of the larger venues now have, and it's online, they have scanning machines where they actually scan people's licences and yeah. you can... Put comments and things next to it. So I think all round, you know, things have been tightened up, and and we're a great asset. If anything did happen, we're, we'd be one of the largest assets for manpower in Victoria. Mm. I think that's really essential and important that um, they are doing that these days. I think the majority of bars and clubs should have that because it's not only for the fact that if you know anyone causes trouble, but it's also in those situations where you know, like we've seen time and time again, people that might leave that club and then go missing or be murdered or whatever may happen. But at least we have that trace of them being in the nightclub originally. Do you know what I mean? And maybe the time that they've left left the club or arrived or and all that information, as you would know, is so important when an investigation is actually happening. Yeah, it certainly is. Yeah. What was the most important thing you took away from being in the force? Um a lot of things like working with such huge amount of diverse people was amazing. Um, but I suppose to expect the unexpected, um, things that things are always change. You never know what, what you're going to come across. Yeah. Um, things aren't always as they seem. So you might see something and have already made a conclusion, but really if you dig a bit deeper, you find out that that first first impression or your first conclusion is not at all the case and what's happening. Mm. Um, information, uh, if it's not correctly validated, um, cannot only waste your time, but it can also be quite devastating to all the parties involved. Um, if you go down one track and you say, oh, this is stolen property and you find out, well, actually, in fact, it's not. It's, <laughs> you know, it was actually being bought, yeah. um, bought, yeah. it's got receipts, etc. And if an area isn't actually your skill set, either edu educate yourself in that school skill set, or actually find someone who is skilled um, in that in that area. Um, I worked a I worked a job where um, a lot of the evidence was relation to the firearm that was used. Our firearm expert at the time had actually flown to Tasmania uh, for another job, so I asked the um, military if they had a gentleman or somebody available and I brought him in to help assist me and his thing through his eyes he'd done five tours overseas he was an extremely experienced gentleman in the army um he he pretty much led me to the offender wow. so it's really wow. important to to notice that you know you you can't be a an expert in every field and, and go and find people that are yeah exactly now, I know that your new life includes running your own business, stepping out events, which actually specialises in organising events for singles over 40. Why did you choose um, such a different industry to go into? 
It is a different industry. Um, I chose the over 40 um, because I'm, I'm a single girl in that age bracket. <laughs> and they say you always um, go into business with, um, you know, the knowledge that you have yourself kind of thing, your personal events. Um, and there is nothing for singles basically over over 40 at, at all. Um, and I suppose over my working career, I'd seen people at their most vulnerable. I'd shared experiences with them that they wouldn't even share with their closest friends. I'd seen everyday good, hardworking people do things that they'd never imagined themselves doing and reacting to situations that if I'd asked them the day before, you know, what would you do if um, they had that situation, they would never think that they'd respond in such a dramatic way mm. or, that, you know, would cause such an overwhelming amount of pain to their loved ones. Um, I lost, I've lost count of the amount of times um, I've helped with suicide attempts. Um, I've, I've had to stop them, um, had to deal with violence, perform CPR. I've listened to people as they've told me how they've, they came to that point. Um, and I was a witness firsthand to the outcomes of people who just wanted more from their life. Um, like everyone simply wanted to, a good life for themselves and their family, I witnessed loneliness and I was aware of how it felt and desires to have a companion or someone special in their lives. Then mm. just over three years ago, I had a really significant event at work and came home to the degrading swipe fest, which is the online dating world. <laughs> um, I thought that's it. Had enough, the crap stops here. And I'm thinking, I can't be the only one to say this just isn't good enough. Yeah. Um, there must be other avenues for people and, you know, places that we can go. Um, and that night I actually put an action into plan and my business was conceived. So it's taken me three years, <laughs> a lot of savings, a lot of research, a lot of effort, um, putting it together. And then I finally launched, launched only last year. Um, stepping out events, we kind of welcome everybody. So the idea is to join the company of like-minded people, to have a great night out, meet new friends, companion or someone special. Um, and I was really excited. It's been really well received. I was averaging um, just over 200 people at my events. Wow, that's incredible. It's a huge number. It's funny because, I, I mean, I do respect the apps that are out there and people being able to utilise them and meet other people and stuff. But I really do think that there's something magical about being able to see someone and form that initial relationship or that initial spark from being in the same room. And I think that we can't deny that magic that still surrounds and exists in that arena. And mm. I think it's really important what you're doing. Ants Talk. Do you think that there's a lot of lonely people out there than we realise? Um, yeah, I do. I, th I think as a society, we're very detached. Um, mm. We've become quite a disposable society um, where people use a lot of devices to connect. As yeah. I said, it's, you know, at the swipe fest kind of thing. So you would, you would talk to somebody on a dating app and um, conversation would change quite dramatically and, You'd think, you know, if I was if I was in the room standing next to you, there's no way you'd ask me the things no, or exactly. the things that you've actually just asked me without, you know, without knowing me or or ever, or ever mentioned it. Um, so I think the the avenues um, that people use now and 
a lot more limited than what they used to be. Mm. Um, and I really hope to, uh, in the future, I was looking at doing dances in rural community for mature age um, because, um, because I realised that it really, it, it saddened me when I heard that the rural community at the moment has the highest statistics of mental health issues and suicide rates. Yeah. And yeah. I just think that, you know, if they had somewhere or something to look forward to and a new way of being able to meet people, uh, meet a friend, a companion or find someone special, then, you know, I'd like to think this helps it. At the moment, I have online free chat sessions every Tuesday night. Um, and I have had a couple of gentlemen, actually New South Wales beef cattle farmers, um, come into this group. Um, and I'm just thinking, well, I can I can keep this going. Like, there's mm. no reason why I can't keep these open live chats going. But once a week, you know, open to anybody over 40 who's single. Um, if I possibly will open one up just for the rural community, if you, you want a farmer wants to meet a wife or farmer wants to meet a husband. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, people who are happy to, to move for the right person kind of thing yeah. and find that special that special love. Um, and I just think it'd be great they'd be able to to connect and say, you know, mate, how was your day? You know, how are you doing? How are you travelling? You know, what's going on in your life kind of thing? Yeah, it's so, so important for people like that because it is such a isolating and remote sort of lifestyle that sometimes it can be weeks before they, they even see another soul. It's, it would be quite a lonely lifestyle. It really would be. Mm. It's, essential. it's really essential for people like that. It's, it's absolutely incredible. Um, where can people find more about you and your business? Um, so I'm online on Facebook and on good old Instagram. So they can find me by looking up Stepping Out Events. Um, at the moment, all my events are online. So I've got comedy, comedy nights, trivia nights, um, you know, as I just said, singles, uh, which are closed chat rooms. So people are screened before they go into the rooms to make sure that there's nobody uh, from overseas. Unfortunately, yeah. our, our members do get do get approached by overseas people um, and also some fake profiles. So it is screened beforehand. Um, I've also got some things for wellness and lifestyle uh, segments. So I've got uh, a magician for the kids, uh, <laughs> teaching them some, some tricks kind of thing for the single parents out there that are climbing the walls. Um, and cooking classes and things of that nature. So I'm really lucky to, to have those avenues. So they can either yeah. find me on the internet um, or on Facebook called Stepping Out Events or um, or my Instagram account as well. That's amazing. That's so good that you're doing that, Cathy, because I think that you're, you're literally building an online community for people that really need it. And I think it's essential these days to have those connections and have more forums like this where people can actually connect. I think it's absolutely amazing. It has. And look, I have to, I'll be honest, um, I didn't expect the conversation to be so incredibly honest, um, especially from the gentlemen. And a lot of the gentlemen are actually leading the conversations. Um, and whether it's because they have been isolated and they've got no one to vent with, you know, what's going on in their lives. But it's been very raw and very heartfelt, you know, some of the problems from, you know, a gentleman having to put his mum who had deteriorated into a, 
into a home and then a week later told he couldn't visit, had gone into lockdown and he was talking to her through a glass window, um, to legal professionals who were talking about the new way they do business um, since the courts, etc., are closed. Mm. Um, and the people in the group, they're lovely. They're very empathetic, very sympathetic. Um, you know, they give honest opinions and the conversation's really interesting. The last lot of conversation was all about manufacturing and how we thought this might, you know, what's happening might change our manufacturing industry from yeah. things going offshore to now things staying onshore. So, uh, so yeah, it's, it's fantastic. It. It's been really good. That's so good. I really, really think that's amazing that you're doing that. It's encouraging to think that people can find their tribe as such mm. and you know, enable themselves to sort of open up and share their experiences and also their loneliness with other people. I actually said at the end of my first, uh, the first one, I said, you know, by the end of this, when I actually, when I'm physically allowed to have another event, we're going to walk in, you're going to feel like it's an old school reunion. Yeah. You know, full of friends that you hadn't seen for a lifetime because we're getting, it, it's like speed dating really quickly for friendships. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's like it's, try, it's getting to know people really quickly mm. um, and really still having those connections. Um, and that's what I wanted. I, it's funny, one night I, I was I was pretty shattered when everything had happened. I'd put all my money and time into my business. As I said, three years and, um, you know, I, I kind of spent a, a few days on my couch, pretty upset that yeah. I'd lost all my events, all the venues had closed, uh, all my members had gone, everything had stopped and, you know, I, I had no backup. Um, I normally did lecturing or security and I had none of that either. So I was pretty upset. Um, and then after the end of the week, I've got an amazing group of small business owners in my network. And, um, you know, I've had a talk to quite a few of them. And I realised people just want that connection. Yeah. That it's still the same business. I can actually do it online and still have, you know, those real connections that people can make. So Definitely. that was pretty exciting. And now there's no stopping me. That's so good. <laughs> I'm amazed by that. Kathy, thank you so much for sharing your story and your time with me. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure the listeners will be so fascinated. And again, can you just reiterate the website for people? Yeah, sure. So they can find me at www.steppingoutevents.com.au or the Facebook page is called the same thing as well as Instagram. Fantastic. Thank you again, Kathy. I really appreciate it. Lovely. Thank you. Have a good day. Thank you. Ants Talk. It's like Oprah, but not.